Hey, what's up, everybody? This is an open discussion with C3 Films. My name is Chris, and this is... Cheryl. And today we are going to be talking about an oldie but a goodie, the very first episode of The Mandalorian. So, we're not going to go too in-depth with spoilers for the future season of Mandalorian, season two and stuff, but we are we might potentially touch on some spoilers that happen in season one. So if you haven't seen season one, um, go and check it out and then come back and watch us watch our discussion on it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, so Cheryl, I feel like, so we are both Star Wars fans, but I'm not sure how much, how much do you like Mandalorians or know the history of Mandalore? I don't know too much. Uh, I think like, I, I do really like Star Wars. I am a big fan, but I think I'm mostly a fan of the movies, um, just because mm -hmm. I hadn't really watched Clone Wars. Uh, and I think Mandalorian was the first actual series that I really watched. Um, good series to start with. So I don't know too much about Mandalorian, but I do watch it with my boyfriend, and he's a huge nerd about it, so he, like, fills me in, so... He was the one that like told me who some of the characters were, and I was like, oh, okay, but I get on board with it. Okay, so so your first so your first exposure to it or experience with it was from coming from only the movies because I know you've seen every single Star Wars movie that's been put to screen, uh, but you didn't hadn't seen any of the series like Clone Wars or Rebels at the time. And so this was the first series. Did you feel like, I know you said your boyfriend was filling you in on things, but did you feel like you were missing something because of the fact that you didn't have some of those connections? Or did you, I mean, I know we're talking about the first episode, but just in general, um, or did you feel like kind of the movie, the knowledge you had from the movie universe was enough to kind of carry you through? I think it was enough. Uh, I, I didn't really have a lot of questions. I, kn I didn't really know about Mandalore. Um, I think I didn't even know that they were called Mandalorians because, um, because in the movies it's just Boba Fett and Jango Fett and, you know, they're bounty they do mention They do mention Mandalore for Jango Fett because it's specifically, it's specific for him because he's not Mandalorian born. Um, so that's why they're like, why do you have that Mandalorian armor? And it's, it's significant because of that, but that's in, in the movies. episode two. In the, uh, in the prequel sequel. In the prequel sequel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I, I, I can understand that. Um, I am also a big nerd for Star Wars, so I've seen Clone Wars. I've seen Rebels. And I can say that for season one of The Mandalorian, I don't think that... I agree with you. I don't think that there's much information that you need from those other series to be able to enjoy the Mandalorian. Like the movie universe is enough to know because we understand that this show takes place after the fall of the empire and the fall of the empire happens in return of the Jedi. So in all honesty, you basically just need a cursory knowledge of how the first original trilogy resulted. And I think that that's great. This is, we get to see the larger universe of Star Wars and all those characters from the movies are there. I would say, though, and we're not going to talk about season two, but the only thing I'll say is that I do feel like season two is enhanced if you do have knowledge from those other shows because they start to lean more into information that comes from those shows 
but at least for season one and specifically this episode one you don't need it at all and it 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 holds out and it carries itself very well definitely it feels like it's a standalone i think you don't even really need to watch star wars at all to watch mandalorian um because it's that independent from the main storyline uh, but then it's kind of like a warm-up because once like you said once you get to season two then it kind of helps a lot to have seen the the at least the main story um of you know in the movies and and then it, it, it just you know sorry i'm going to kind of spoil a little bit here um without details but in season two um you you get that fan factor that we kind of had in rogue one right where yeah where you, you get to see things from the original movies that get you all excited. So um, that's what season two does for you. Season one, though, is just intriguing in itself. And, um, you know, like, to put focus on the first episode, I think it's, like, one of the strongest pilots to a series in the history of television. Um, because it does so much... And I, I'm giving it a lot of praise, but it does so much in just one episode that um, it just, like, tells you, it just gives you so much information that, like, you need for the rest of the series. And it, like, establishes characters, it has good music, it has, you know, with musical themes, and it, it gives you interest, it makes, gives you questions so that you're interested to find out about the rest of the story. There's just so much, like, after you're done watching it, you're literally just like, now what's going to happen? And, like, what is this going to be about besides, you know, obviously it's about this guy, but then, like, what else is going to happen? And then the big reveal at the very end is even more exciting, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. So it's mm. like all of this happens in one episode. Like, how how did you fit all of that in there? <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's a lot you just brought up in like that statement. Um, that a couple of things I want to talk about, but I'll immediately I want to address uh, the music um, that you brought up because one of the things about Star Wars is that it has great music, and whether you're watching the original trilogy or even the prequel trilogy. Like, those two sets of movies have an amazing freaking score. And that's one of the beautiful things. Like, regardless of how you feel about the prequel trilogy, the fact of the matter remains that it created one of the best new renditions, um, new new scores for, for Star Wars that has still carried to this day, that people still know, even if they haven't seen the movie, everyone knows Duel of the Fates. And then they, and the way they just took that, they took the music that was in the original trilogy, but then didn't just fall back on it, but then they actually were able to expand upon it. That's how Mandalorian feels. Like, there isn't anything, I think, in this first episode that is a callback to musical, um, musical scores from the movies, but... It's still, the music still feels Star Wars, but it feels like Star Wars with a little bit of Western um, mixed in there. And the main theme for The Mandalorian will get you bopping every time you hear it. When you hear, when you hear that bass just drop and it just goes ba-boom, ba-boom, boom boom it's just like, it's, it gets you so hype and the trumpets come in. It's, 
absolutely fun. It feels so good. And I never skip the ending because not only is there good art, but because I got to listen to that. I got to listen to that music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it definitely has its own character. Uh, and then you, it's used not just as a theme song, but it's actually part of the, the television show score. Um, but I think like it's just great because it holds its own. It has its own character, just like the Mandalorian. He's not a Jedi, um, so he doesn't get Jedi music. He gets what is now associated with Mandalorian music, which we don't really have. Um, and so like it just it's like a a familiarity, but it has its own personality, just like um, this character. Like there's really no Jedi, so. Like, it's not a Jedi show. It's a Mandalorian show. It's the Mandalorian. And that's the music that we get. I can't explain it better than that. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I sometimes, like, I love the Star Wars universe. And I sometimes, like, go back and forth with whether I want to see Jedi or whether I want to see the um, expanded expanded universe. But in general, I, I feel like, it, I guess it just kind of depends on my mood. Or what time what timeline we're in? I love the prequel era of Star Wars because I love how many Jedi are around there. I love those characters, and now this is the, I guess the sequel era after the original trilogy, and that era, I found I w- I didn't realize that I actually wanted to see, you know, like when you're in when you're in the prequel era and you see the Clone Wars and everything that happens, it's interesting, it's fun, and that and there was so much content that was built within those couple of years between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And when Return of the Jedi ends, I never thought to myself, I kind of am curious about how the galaxy looks after a- after the the Emperor is, is killed and Darth, and Darth Vader is killed. And it's great because this era, this post-Empire era of Star Wars feels like an excellent sandbox to play around in. And you don't need our characters uh, from the movies to be here to still enjoy it. You can actually just feel the ramifications of those choices rippling throughout the universe when and when you have scenes where Mando, who he, he only, he's only known as Mando at this point in time, walks into a room and you see a bunch of stormtroopers. And the, it's, it's significant because stormtroopers, they used to number like millions throughout the galaxy or whatever, but now it's almost like this ragtag underground. We we are we're hot we're hiding out from the, this new republic or something like that. So it's it creates a very interesting feeling. I'm not sure how, how did you feel about this particular era of Star Wars. I think it's perfect because it puts us in a place where we get to, um, you know, experience the point of view where they get to learn about the Force and the Jedi um, as they go along in the show because we're starting, like, we're being dropped into an era where people don't really know about Jedi and people don't really know about the Force because, you know, they're not in an area or in a time where Jedi are, like, all over the place. So it's, like, not well known. So, like, there's this whole mystery about um this child right that they know nothing about but you know like we get the inside because we know we we know all this stuff um and so we get to watch how they explain it 
to us. So it's kind of like, I think that's another reason why like you don't really need to have seen any Star Wars to understand the show because we're being put in a position where it's going to be explained to you. And the fact that like they are explaining it to us in a way where it's not like expositional is another great thing because like you know we already know all this stuff like as fans we know how the force works we know what a jedi is we know what he is right um the child we know what the child is um so like how are you as filmmakers going to explain to us what all this is without making us feel dumb because we already know right so that's another challenge in itself but it's also great for the people who are not already fans yeah i agree and one of the things you were talking about um related to watching it without having any knowledge of the other the other parts of the stories and stuff like that that come from the movies or shows is that in many ways that could still be effective because of the fact that you are approaching it from the same place that our main character is approaching uh the series from the main character doesn't know this information. The main character doesn't know who these characters are, doesn't know the wider ramifications of the Force and the Jedi and everything else like that. So if you do go into it without any knowledge of prior Star Wars media, it actually just means that you're, you're right on you're right on the same page as our main character. And in most stories, when you are coming into something like, let's say you're getting thrown into a fantasy world, like or even a sci-fi world like The Matrix, you normally have the way they there's those worlds are usually handled in one of two ways either they everyone already knows about the world and they just talk about it naturally as they're moving through it and you as the audience member have to learn as you go but everyone already knows about it or they have a person that doesn't know about the world and has to learn about it and though and that's the eyes of the audience and in many ways that's what mando is in this series like Obviously, he knows about his bounty hunter world and everything else, but the wider world, which is what he gets exposed to as he goes through this series, is something that he learns about. And as an audience member, if you don't know anything about it beforehand, you get to learn about it with him. And that can also be a fun way to experience this show. Yeah, and I actually think that's one of the best ways to have a show is to have a character that is going through the same thing that you are as an audience. So I think it's really well represented because our two main characters are someone that doesn't know anything and then someone that knows everything, but then they can't really tell us. But it's okay because we already know. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. And... So did you, when you first watched this series, did you watch it week to week or did you wait and binge it? Oh, I watched it week to week. There's no way I'm getting any spoilers. (laughs) Okay. So that's funny because I watched it after, I watched it like a, a long time after season one had been done. I think I didn't watch it until season two had started, but, um, I had known all, I had heard about the, the child and everything else like that. So I knew the child existed. I see all like the baby Yoda merchandise and stuff like that. So that's hard to escape. But for you, not knowing how that episode was going to end, can you remember, can you recall what your first feeling was when you saw the child inside the little baby floaty cubby thing? Um, I think I had like a cuteness overload attack and... (laughs) 
could not stop squealing about how cute he is and like of, of course we called him baby yoda because we don't know you know at the time we, we we'll learn his name later but um right. you know for the whole of season one basically he was called baby yoda um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even though we know it's not Yoda, we're just like, well, what else? Like, because we don't even know what his species is called. So. Which is so weird. We know what all these other species in Star Wars are called, but we've never gotten a definitive answer for what Yoda species is. Mm-hmm. And we've never seen any other character that looked like him until now. We we saw one. People for people forget about it in Star Wars Episode One. Uh, there is a female. Of species of Yoda on the Jedi Council with him. I forget her name. Other people can know her name and look it up. But if you look, if you look up female Yoda Jedi Council, uh, you'll see a picture of her. And uh, yeah, she was only in Episode One. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and look at it. <laughs> I was told Yoda species was a Yoda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and this the the first episode. One of the other things that you want. From your pilot is you don't necessarily want like a bunch of exposition you you want to find a, a balance of learning about the world meeting the characters but also you want to make it interesting and this first episode does a good job of having cool action as well when mando they establish mando right off the back as a very formidable opponent where he fights those two people in the bar and base and kind of surprised it was on disney plus but cut somebody in half through with the door which is vicious yeah but... that scene like very much reminded me of um the cantina scene on tatooine with um ben kenobi the og ben kenobi in yeah. that bar it just feel- it feels a lot like they were trying to kind of replicate that but without copying it exactly like it had that same mood it had the same tone mando's very much like han solo i think but he he's more mysterious he doesn't talk a lot and i think like that's another thing like you learn so much about him in the first three minutes of the of the show and he barely says anything and i think that in itself says a lot about how much care they put into um this first episode agreed oh and yaddle thank you uh thank you striker man uh the other thing that's really cool about him is that so you said like like you going off on what you just said about how you learn so much about him so you can see that he is a he ha- he has no problem killing people so he, he's skilled at what he does and in, in many ways you you might start to think to yourself that he might just be like a ruthless main character but then as you continue going through the episode you see that he has he has um he has a little bit more of a honor side to him as you can tell with his interactions with the other mandalorians or with um i forget the guy's name but the guy who says i have spoken um with his interaction with him he seems very polite and cordial with him but then it's really by the end of the episode where he basically, he saves the child. Now, you can make the argument that he saved the child because he wanted to get his money, but even just the the the, the, the shot of him putting out his finger towards the child shows that there's something else going on inside him so that he's not just a ruthless, he's not just a ruthless killer. So, yeah. <laughs> And that was a really 
good shot. It was like a really good way to end the show. I think it was um, just so well constructed, and I just I don't know. I can't get over that last shot. <laughs> it was so pretty. Oh yeah, it's re- it's very pretty, and uh, seeing it's just everything, and even the the music in that as well. And then talk about action scenes. The action scene that immediately preceded that moment where you have the IG kill bot <laughs> just doing this really cool basically robot John wicking the entire area and when you when I saw that so that character I believe is voiced by Taika Waititi but even just the practical nature of of shooting that scene like I'm I guess that I'm pretty sure that robot is CG but they did it, it looks really practical and that's one of the other cool things about the show. Like they they do lean into some of the, the old practical effects that made Star Wars stand out back in the day. Because even Baby Yoda is an actual animatronic puppet, and they could have done it CG, but they chose not to. So it's cool to see that. And I think that's one of the real reasons why it really stands out. Because even when Mandalorian walks into the bar at the beginning and you see the different aliens and the prosthetics that they all have on. It feels like a Star Wars movie because they have the, the they have the prosthetics, they have the animatronics, they have the practical effects mixed with the special effects. And that is Star Wars. So yeah, like if you haven't if you haven't seen Star Wars before, it's great. But if you have, it's it feels even better. Yeah, and I, I remember there's that one scene where he goes to um to get the um the bounty, um, the assignment, and the he shows up to the door and then this like eyeball comes out and it's just like a stick and they like poke it out and it's like all jinky like but that's how it was in the um in the original uh in the original yep. movies and you would think like, oh, couldn't they do that better? But no, like that is the world that was built (laughs) and established like like sure you could say that it should be like really sleek and you know smooth and stuff like that but they're also on a planet where you know things are broken down and so it makes sense that it's not going to be sleek new technology and that it's just the stick that you know someone's on the other side just going like this like oh (laughs) right i mean and that's and that's the era like i feel like george lucas intentionally uh, wanted to make it so that the original trilogy does kind of feel like doesn't really feel sleek. It feels kind of dirty. Feels kind of Western sci-fi fantasy in some ways. But then he wanted the prequel era, which was supposed to be an era of technological advancement, to feel sleek and clean and very and even more sci-fi. Which is why when you look at those prequel er- the prequel era of Star Wars, he's he's messing with that technology. And but there is an intent there. That's why the ships also look very sleek and metallic. He wanted it to expressly feel different than the movies he made before. And part of it is the technology, but it also is a concerted effort by him with the world that he wanted to create for these different eras and and, in time. And so now that we have this post-Star Wars era, that is the aesthetic. And going forward, it has to kind of build off of that particular aesthetic. Yeah. And, and it's also, like, it was kind of low-budget, um, the original Star Wars, so... But then he still had 
a way to make it so that like you know where you are right you have um like on the death star it's sleek there it's it looks good and even on um the uh i guess the alderaan ship where um Mm -hmm. the rebellion ship that was also really sleek and then you go down to tatooine and it's like poor and and dusty and desert and like you feel like it's a different world and even though you know it's kind of cheaply made it still made sense so um you know it just it's also good smart design it is and they continued with the rest of the movies too whether if you go to dagobah like you could show any star wars fan just an image of dagobah with no characters in it just like the background surroundings and they'll pull it out as Dagobah because they found a way to try to make these worlds stand out. And that's something that has translated in star Wars since. And you could argue that that's just a sci-fi thing, but I see it a lot with star Wars where whether it's star Wars, um, Jedi fallen order, or if it's the prequel trilogy, or even if it's the Mandalorian, they make it so that you can actually you can actively see where you are based off of how the location looks and that's another thing that's really great about the mandalorian yeah the other thing i thought was uh really cool about you know the um mandalorian is like the catchphrases that they made like uh i don't know if if uh, this is the way um, is something that came elsewhere or if it was first established in the show, but, you know, like, everyone's saying it now, like, that's the Mandalorian catchphrase. But then they also have, um, that guy on the planet, uh, who says, uh, I have have spoken. spoken. (laughs) Like, how do you get two of them in one episode? (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, it's pretty good, uh, to join the likes of uh, I have a bad feeling about this or I am your father. <laughs> so, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Don't tell me the odds. <laughs> it's like, it's, a, it's pretty good. There's a lot of classic Star Wars uh, lines and this is now joined that pantheon, which is absolutely great. Definitely. And, and you know what? You can't say that like other shows did that. Even like Rogue One doesn't have anything like that, or Solo, the the movies. I, so, I wasn't sure, but did Rogue One popularize "I Am One with the Force"? The Force is with me, or was it was that said in another movie that I'm not remembering? Because I, I oh I, maybe it was that. Okay. <laughs> Didn't they use that? Oh, they used that in something else. That, but anyway, um, back to Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of go. Uh, we're kind of like, oh, we're talking about Mandalorian, but we're talking about everything around Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, but that's that's because the show does a good job of feeling like a natural part of the world. It yeah. does not feel out of place, and that's the other thing. We were talking about how they they pull, they use different, they use like technology, quote unquote, that feels like it came from the uh, the original trilogy era, like the little poking eyeball thing but the the show is still shot in a way and there are still parts of it that still that still do feel very modern but despite the fact that it feels that it does feel modern in places it still feels like a part of 
the overall universe and the overall world. It doesn't feel out of place. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that anyone would have making any type of story that's trying to continue a world that started back in the 70s. And the, and so because of that, the, the fact that it's shot with a modernized look but still aesthetically feels like the world that we've seen in the 70s is another testament to show just how passionate the people who are working on it are about the show Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and it just it just feels like it sits right in with the rest of the world and it's definitely hard to you know like we've seen all these remakes and i think we were talking about how um we've done so many of these shows on um movies that uh are part of a franchise and and they're like even even the sequel trilogy doesn't really quite keep up with the original movies uh, and then here we have Mandalorian that seems to fit right in with the original uh themes and and world building like it everything seems right like if you watch the pre uh, the sequel trilogies you have a lot of questions you have a lot of like challenges like like that's not how it works we know that this isn't how it works but then when you watch the mandalorian you're like okay this is this is how it works and i and i think like force healing was kind of new to um the visual series at that point and it kind of like it came out at the same time um around the um the sequel trilogy it's like a tongue twister um and so there's force healing in both the series and the trilogy, the um, okay. the new movies. But we, when we watch those movies, we're like, how come there's this healing thing? Like, why? Why? Like, this doesn't make any sense. This didn't exist before. But then when you watch Mandalorian and it happens there, you're yeah. like, you don't question it at all because of the way that the world is built and who is doing it. That's true. Right. So, and, and it, it does stuff like that where you don't ask questions, even though you you might suppose you would because you hadn't seen it before. Like nothing like this in the in the previous world building has ever had this before. But you don't question it because we feel like we're being shown something new, as opposed to the um, the movies where it's like, well, this doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> You're right. Is it's because everything else is done well around it that you you feel like it's more new and not that it's breaking the universe. And the same could be say, said for Jedi Fallen Order. The unique ability that Cal Kestis has in that game is the ability to slow down time. And oh, he has two, I guess. But he can slow down. He can slow down people, and he has psychometry. But and that's something. Both of those abilities are things we haven't seen in the movies, and I haven't seen in the the television shows up until this point. But on one hand, you're telling yourself, well, it's a video game. But on the other hand, you're also telling yourself, well, he does say that it is something that is unique to certain individuals. But because the rest of the that game is built so well that it feels like it's a part of the universe, once again, it's the same thing. You don't ask questions and you just accept it. So, yeah, I. if you guys can't tell, we really, we really enjoyed um, The Mandalorian and... We kept it to just season one uh, topics, but season two's 
even better. And this is like one of the greatest Star Wars pieces of content that you can consume out there, movies included. But before we wrap out of here, Cheryl, did you have any last minute thoughts that you wanted to get out? I know you had a lot of notes. Uh, nope, I think I'm good. All right. So yeah, so what about you guys? Have you seen The Mandalorian? What did you think about it? Have you seen some of the other far-reaching series, television shows like Clone Wars, Bad Batch, uh, Star Wars Rebels that fit within the grander scheme of the universe? Do you kind of enjoy the post-Empire post, uh, era of Star Wars? Whatever you thought, comment below. Let us know. And while you're down there, if you give us a like, share, and subscribe. Even if you don't, though, I have been Chris, and this has been... Cheryl, and we'll see you all next time.